You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens with you once more, and here I have my friend, Mr. Sean McAfee. Sean is the author of Sophie Institute Press's book, Building Our Father's House, which many of you read a small excerpt of that on CatholicExchange.com this week. Sean's also an apologist, he's a speaker, he's designed his own website. I think he's also a stormtrooper in the Star Wars movie coming up soon. I don't know what all he does or how he has time for it, but he does it all. And Sean, it's a pleasure to have you here on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Thank you. It's finally to finally hear your last name pronounced. Everybody has a different <laughs> way of uh, guessing it. How do you pronounce that? It is Lichids. It rhymes with kitchens. If you have <laughs> it, people mess it up. It's one of those pesky German names that I think it's just too easy. So I hear Lichens, Lichens, Leechens. Uh, there's a very, oh. believe me, my elementary school years have a variety of ways of pronouncing that last name that you wouldn't believe. I completely get it. Having a last name McAfee, I've got McAfee, 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 <laughs> everything. I bet. And I think I just mispronounced it, but there we are. But so you got it. Oh, okay, perfect. And so, Sean, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your book, Filling Our Father's House? Sure. It's a book I wrote about a year and a half ago, and I was uh, doing some door-to-door evangelization, very uh, quote-unquote wow. uncatholic thing to do. And uh, we were just going out, reaching out to people within the parish boundaries that we knew attended our parish. And we were just checking in on them, seeing if Mm -hmm. there was anything that we could bring back to the pastor, any concerns they had or any prayer requests. And this guy just started telling this story about going to a, I think it was a Lutheran uh, funeral mass. And he said everybody there was just so inviting and warm and wonderful and And he kind of got around to the point that I've heard a few times since entering the Catholic Church as a convert that not that we need to be more like Protestants, but they have a lot of things that we can learn from. And they're they're a little bit more their outreach is a little more robust. And and I had heard this, like I said, so many times since entering the Catholic Church, I said I snapped my fingers. I I pointed at him and I said, rather matter of factly, I said, I'm going to go ahead and write that book. (laughs) <laughs> so I immediately set out and I, I got about 80% through the way and, uh, mm-hmm. pro, you know, uh, proposed it to Sophia. And I, I, uh, my wife thought that like some hockey goal in the playoffs was scored, uh, whenever I read the email, I was like, yeah, whenever I got the book contract, cause uh. I was just so excited, perfect publisher. I love Sophie Institute Press. And, uh, I was just excited to finish up the book and see how people were reacted to it. So the book, um, Filling Our Father's House has numerous, countless, just practical, straightforward suggestions that people can put uh, to practice immediately, whether they're, uh, you know, daily mass attendants or have been away from the church for a while or just want to read their Bible more or want to learn how to talk to others about Christ. The book is filled with just oodles of practical suggestions, and, and I show everybody exactly how to do those things. And I agree. It's a lot of really nice practical suggestions that you can do in your daily life. Uh, one of the things I was surprised at is some of the suggestions you mentioned, They, I didn't really think about it, but yeah, it's true. It's not really that Catholic to say go door to door or to open a conversation about our faith. A lot of people think, oh, that's not how we do it. Uh, did you find that was usually people's reaction when you told them things like, hey, we should evangelize more or maybe we should so knocking on doors and asking people how they are? Well, I think there's there's a half and half. I think a lot of people, a lot of Catholics 
are nominalized. They want to keep their faith to themselves, which is perfectly understandable and expected. And then there's the other group of Catholics who, like you and me, are just wanting to get out there, wanting to help people mm-hmm. understand the faith, wanting to bring others into the faith and just develop their personal relationship with Jesus and be in this thing together. And I think the first group, I think the first group just needs to be evangelized, period. And then the second group, which is pretty much what this book was mostly written for, is is for the Catholic who doesn't know exactly where to begin or mm-hmm. really is energetic about it, but, you know, isn't quite sure where to start or uh, or just needs a nice little kick in the butt to, to get out there. And the <laughs> book is certainly not a kick in the butt. I tried to, and I've heard great reviews saying it's, you know, very charitable, yes. very... Uh, you know, I, somebody said yesterday that the Sean's enthusiasm jumps off every page, and my heart just melted when somebody said that because <laughs> just speaking from my heart. And you guys have great editors, but um, I'm glad that that's the way the book came off. But yeah, it's certainly not something. Evangelism is certainly not something we associate with Catholicism, but um, it's absolutely Catholic through and through. Absolutely, and I know, uh, especially you use that phrase, personal relationship with Jesus. A lot of people. In my experience, they often, you know, and I did it too when I first converted, kind of like almost are turned off by that language, like personal, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, the joke uh, I always like to tell people is that I'm religious but not spiritual because that's the Catholic way of doing it. That's right. (laughs) uh, But it is true that within the Catholic Church, there is a personal relationship with Jesus and nothing is more personal than the Eucharist. Uh, Do you talk a little bit about developing that personal relationship in the book? Yeah, and you bring up all the concerns that I had whenever I wanted to write that chapter. That was actually, it's like the third or fourth chapter in the book out of eight Mm -hmm. or nine. And it was the last chapter I wrote because I knew it just, it had to be done right. And I had to focus on, I couldn't come back to it and pick up where I left off. It just had to be done perfectly. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I kind of baptized what I learned um, as an evangelical, you know, about daily prayer and having a relationship with God's word and sinking into that. But as a Catholic, we have the communion of saints to help develop a relationship. We have, uh, you know, a relationship with the blessed Virgin. We have the daily mass to go to and the entire church structure revolves around the identity of the church as, as Christ's real body. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. It's metaphysical, but it's actually, it's real and it's, it's absolutely physical as well. Um, so, I, so I baptized it Catholic that way and, uh, and kind of got into a, l- a lot of stuff about, uh, how to do it, how to have a personal relationship the Catholic way, which, uh, is quite a ro- robust chapter. I hope it didn't, um, I don't know, hope it didn't intimidate anybody. <laughs> well, I think that was the one we excerpted on, uh, CatholicExchange.com earlier this week and people seemed to take to it very well. So I think you did just fine. Yeah. And, um. Uh, one of the first things I noticed when I saw the mock copies when we were planning this book together was all the endorsements you got. I mean, Brandon Vogt, Steve Ray, Mark Shea, Patrick Madrid, you know, that if anyone knows who a Catholic evangelist are, they're probably going to know these names. And I'm curious, how did you get in touch with these folks? Well, um, I knew Patrick Madrid uh, from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. Mm-hmm. He was my professor in apologetics there. Um, and I mean, the others, you can find them online. But I just I just solicited to a few. There was a few people who who didn't say I don't want to endorse your book. But there were a few other well-known Catholics who you know, didn't have the time or this or that or. Of but um, I, I guess I simply just I asked them if they would take a look at the idea, I gave them a you know a hundred word synopsis and an outline, and they said, "We're the, this looks really good." 
And, uh, and they said, send me a copy whenever it's ready. And I, I did that for each of them. And I was, I was, uh, I was shocked myself with the enthusiasm that they came back with. I was like, okay, you don't have to be so nice here. <laughs> I was joking around. I was like, okay, you're getting people's hopes up here. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, very pleased with the response from them and from other reviewers now it's been it's been encouraging of what has been the response have so far from readers you're online almost as often as i am how often what has been the response from folks who've been reading this yeah i do a little bit of ego surfing i uh (laughs) i put put my name in uh, quotations and google and yeah and do the blog search to see if people are you know reading it or what they're saying because amazon will only get Know, such a percentage and so will goodreads get such a percentage of the people who you know want to say oh i want to tell people about this or maybe i didn't like it um the response has been overwhelmingly good and i'm not saying that to sell any copies or anything i i don't even know where to begin the people people really seem to love the opening chapter about telling your personal testimony mm-hmm. um and that was whenever i reread the book after it was printed I absolutely loved it as well. It comes across very structured. It, it gets people in hyperdrive to just talk about Christ and and organize their testimony and their story. And a lot of us, I think, I think most of us, and I felt this way as well, is we don't have that Scott Hahn or we don't have the uh, you know the Steve Ray. And it's not just because we don't have DVDs and EWTN radio shows or uh, you know we it's it's we we tend to nominalize our own experience with uh, with God in our lives. And the point of this chapter was to bring out the fact that everybody from a convert to a revert to a cradle Catholic, especially cradle Catholics, have something to tell. Converts, we obviously have our conversion story. It usually revolves around apologetics or some sort of uh, experience in our lives. Reverts, they have, I mean, we we brag about converts, but reverts, wow. I mean, you're talking about somebody who jumped ship and then said, save me, you know, came back in the ship from the lifeboat. But even somebody like a uh, like a, a cradle Catholic, as we call them, a lifelong Catholic, they know all about endurance and they mm-hmm. know, you know, just sticking with the faith. And uh, so by the numbers there, the people have really seemed to respond to uh, the practical suggestions. The uh, They've given high marks to the enthusiasm that the book, uh, that the prose is written with, and especially the opening chapters on sharing your faith with others, getting into the Bible, and developing a personal relationship. And I've seen some of that from our readers as well. When we posted that on Catholic Exchange, some very positive feedback, which is always nice to hear as both editor and writer. It's uh, nice to get a good email, isn't it? Of oh, a... it's wonderful to get a good email. I love it. <laughs> it's half the reason why I do this podcast is I invite people to email me, and it's always good. So, hey, I'm happy with it. Good. <laughs> But yeah, I did want to go back to what you said about cradle Catholics. That's uh, one area, even though all, many of us here at Catholic Exchange are converts, the vast majority of our readers are cradle Catholics. And I'm always stressing to them, you have a story to tell too. And you have some, you have so much to offer because you've been at this way longer than the rest of us. And I think that's a story that gets overlooked is like, what have the cradle Catholics done? And it's they're you know they're not necessarily on EWTN or anything like that, but it's at times I think they are the unsung heroes. What do you think of that book idea? Is what oh. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, I, I, always. This is where I compare it to is like a marriage. I mean, there's no way to really. Whenever we see somebody during church announcements at the end of mass or something, or 
I don't know, whenever it's recognized uh, at, at the local parish in the bulletin or wherever, where somebody is celebrating their like 50th anniversary. I mean, how much warmth does that bring you when you look at this couple and you say, and they're still smiling, you know, and they're still holding hands, sitting next to each other. And you know these people, you've at least seen them or interacted with them maybe. And you see, you know, just endurance and you see a, a generation of love and you see their kids are holy Catholic and, and their kids are being baptized, you know, week after week, you know, with tons of grandkids just always in the parish announcements for baptisms or marriages or something. There's something to be said about the beauty of that. That's uh, a world different from somebody who comes into the church. Uh, and a, a marriage is the perfect way to, to symbolize that. But um, yeah, uh, hats off to cradle Catholics. They don't get enough credit for, for their endurance and their long lasting faith. Absolutely. Especially the endurance. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and then to move on, uh, you have a couple, as I told all our listeners here, you are one of the busiest men I know. I hands down the busiest man I know. You also run Epic Pew. Can you tell us a little bit about that website? Thank you. Uh, oh, Epic Pew is my my baby. It's my pride and joy, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, several other things I do. But Epic Epic Pew is a idea I came up with about uh, I don't know a year and a half ago. Whenever I started writing uh, filling our father's house, I was taking a look at BuzzFeed all the time and seeing their quizzes. Their sarcasm, it wasn't satire, but it was sarcasm, their lists, their, you know, GIF laden uh, blog posts. And I said, you know what, this is people, millennials are really responding to this. There's no real Catholic version of this. And uh, and I laid on it for a while because I was writing this book and I was busy doing my master's in theology. And uh, somebody approached me last summer and they said, hey, how would you like to uh, build a new website? And I said, you know what? I've had this idea for a long time. What do you think? And uh, we agreed it was a really good idea. So it's like a Catholic humor site. We do quizzes, we mm-hmm. do lists, uh, giveaways. We've got sponsors as generous as a Sophia Institute Press. That uh, I mean, they they give us oodles of books, and it, it helps us and it helps them. And so we we just love them too. Um, but Epic Pew is just a wonderful Catholic humor site. We have 34 really talented writers, and they pour their hearts into it. Yeah, everything from a what not to say to a priest, what not to say to a convert, to uh, sarcastic articles like 20 Reasons to Never Visit a Marian Shrine, or uh, <laughs> quizzes like Which Document of Vatican II Should You Read? And uh, we, we wanted something that's funny and humorous and adventurous, but uh, and, and appealing to uh, millennial Catholics. But uh, we also wanted something that's absolutely faithful to uh, to the magisterium and just beautiful with the Catholic Church. What would you say is the most popular article you've guys published so far? Well, it's between it's a home run between three. And uh, and they were all like in the first couple of weeks we had. And they've just been our enduring bread and butter. The first was this silly thing. I found it on uh, I found it on the Internet. It was a collection from some unknown website about a. what was it? It was like 35 pictures that prove uh, Coptic priests will bless anything or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're like out there blessing helicopters, blessing rifles, and then uh, blessing like telescopes and then blessing more rifles and then blessing marriages and blessing helicopters and tanks. And it, it, it was just the most funny thing. The other two would be the uh, the 10 things never to say to a priest. And the other one is uh, 13 things to uh, never say to a convert, and basically anything that Abby Johnson writes gets uh, about a million views in half a day. 
Oh, wow. Uh, so when she publishes something, it, it, it tends to skyrocket. But uh, those are some of the most memorable ones we've had. What are some of the things you should never say to a convert? I just have to ask as fellow converts. Yeah. OK. So one of them is like, oh, you're just a baby Catholic. <laughs> or uh, what's another one? Um, I bet. And excuse me if this is bad for your listeners, but I bet sex is better as a Catholic now. Or aren't you glad you did the right thing for your children? Or, uh, yeah, I mean, just silly stuff, just like head scratchers. <laughs> like, did you not think before you said that people are so well-intentioned sometimes? Of course. They just don't understand how rude they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could go both ways. I often, uh, when I saw that list, I wanted to make something for all my friends who are cradles, like what converts should never say to cradles. And... Oh, man. Well, you got the job if you want to write it. Oh, good, good. Oh, well, folks, keep great. a listen. Keep a watch out. Someday I'll have time. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I have to admit a couple of those that you just mentioned. I'm like, really? People ask that? But I've heard weirder questions put my way. So, eh. <laughs> yeah. So with Epic Pew, uh, it's a lot of humor, a lot of really it's love, but it's also that love almost as elder brothers that give each other, which I know I don't know if my family's dysfunctional, but my brothers and I express affection by sarcasm and insults. That's how we tell each other we love each other, and yeah. maybe we're weird that way, but that's my impression of Epic Pew. Has it been a pretty positive response from folks? Yeah, our uh, we came on the scene pretty loud and pretty proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but- we generally haven't gotten haven't gotten any any dislike any discord. Uh, we get radio interviews maybe once or twice a month when we do something good um, on on a new article or on an old one. And uh, yeah, the response has been good. People usually say that it's faithfully Catholic and it's uh, it's funny and respectful of of modern issues. Excellent. Now to move right along, I will get hate mail if I don't ask this question. I'm sure you're sick of this question, but oh no, <laughs> uh, why? What caused you to convert to the Catholic Church? And that's a question I know you probably hate asking because I almost hate it because it's almost like, well, what should it? Why shouldn't I have come to the Catholic Church? But... Yeah, that's a good question. It's a question. I mean, that's the one I get asked most often. Mm-hmm. Other than, can you tell us your conversion story? And I'm like, well, where do I begin? Um, Age <laughs> seven and work your way up. We have a few hours. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll start at notch one. I'm just kidding. Um, you know what convinced me to do the Catholic Church, to join the Catholic Church, is I studied my way into it. It was a very intellectual mm-hmm. conversion. I didn't get in an auto accident and uh, the earth didn't quake. You know, smoke didn't come out of my ears. I, I didn't have an exorcism. Um, it was very intellectual. I, I got into a conversation with a local psychologist here in Omaha. And he kept saying, blessed virgin, and kept saying St. Peter. And I would say, Peter, Paul, Mary. And I, and I, and I knew from some previous life of high studies with the Reformation and this and that, that, uh, that he had to have been Catholic. And I said, Sean, his name was Sean, <laughs> which started off a really confusing relationship if we, sure. ever, we have into writing. And he's also in the book. So I said, Sean, are you Catholic? And he, he paused and said, well, yeah. And I, and I wanted to challenge him. And I said, well, should I be Catholic? Just wanted to see what he'd say. And uh, that was my doom because his answer was uh, his answer was so subtle but so smart. He said, "Well, Sean, I know that I know that you're a Christian. You love the Lord. You're you're ambitious about your faith and your family." But and he paused. And he said, I'm just, you don't, you just don't understand that you don't have all the tools of the faith. You don't have the complete faith. And that's the best way I can put it for now. 
And uh, so the next several months were a journey of me asking him all about everything to do with uh, with the Catholic Church, from baptismal regeneration to the early church fathers to the saints and doctrinal or uh, doctrinal issues like uh, ecumenical councils and what the role of a pope is. And as I started to study the church, I would confirm what he said in some history books, uh, both secular and Catholic, just to see how they match up. And what I found was, you know, in the earliest parts of the church writings, they're talking, or even secular writings, they're talking about words like bishop. And these are old translations. They're talking words like Catholic, 110 from uh, Ignatius. And, uh, and I start to realize that the church that existed then mirrors the teachings of the church that exists now and uh you know i had to deal with these convictions that i was learning and and it was really difficult because my wife she was pregnant with our first son and she was thinking all about that and in the midst of this i'm having a faith crisis who we both absolutely loved god still love him but back then we just wanted a small church we were wanting to get out of the mega church scene and if I was to convert to Catholicism, it would have been without her. It would have been in a big church, you know, 1.2 billion strong or whatever they say now. I would have had a lot of hierarchy, a lot of uh, a lot of leadership and structure. And uh, it got to such a point where I had to really consider whether or not I wanted to be Catholic personally and faithfully. And I knew faithfully it was leading there. And then I picked up this book uh, called Filling Our or Filling Our Father's House. It was a really good book. I read my future book. No, it was called The Faith of Our Fathers by Cardinal Gibbons. And it's one that Scott mm-hmm. Hahn recommended in uh, Rome Sweet Home. He said it really just pushed him over the edge. And I said, well, if it worked for him, maybe it'll work for me. And within seven chapters of that 28-chapter book, I said, this is going to sound extreme, but I said to myself, I can't be, Catholic. I can't be Christian if I can't be Catholic because – the the teachings are just so imperative to the life of a christian i didn't want to do anything against my own conscience either and so uh my wife and i kind of talked it out and we decided to pull the pull the other uh scope of uh rome sweet home and just decided not for we agreed not to talk about it but she would let me go into the catholic church and she would you know try to do it in her time and um so i entered the church in uh uh, Easter 2012, so I'm, I'm still a baby Catholic, as uh, some people might point out. But uh, yeah, I entered the church, and nine months later, she she followed. And um, oh. boy, it's been it's been no grass under my feet ever since. Uh, a lot of work and a lot of enthusiasm, and just want to share the discoveries that I've made and the enthusiasm that I have with with everybody else. Sounds like you uh, were partly brought into the church because of evangelization, which kind of explains a little bit about yeah. your book. I got lucky that somebody was a really good lay apologist. If, yeah. if that person, Sean, had bad answers or you know stumbled around his stuff, or I mean, everything he said, if it was something on confession or the sacrament of penance, he would back it up with a story of Saint John Vianney, uh, you know, having foreknowledge of his, uh, uh, his penitent sins, or Saint mm-hmm. Padraig Pio, who became my confirmation saint. You know, he would back it up with just these wonderful illustrations. And yeah, you're right. I got lucky that somebody understood the new evangelization, was evangelized himself and had the courage to to speak out and defend his faith. And uh, and 
I had some grace along the way. It was it was a rough time. Um, nobody converts because of themselves, and nobody converts anybody uh, because of their own willpower. It's all in the Holy Spirit, and uh, so I certainly had some some grace in my my conversion experience. So you converted, you said back in 2012. Your wife joined uh, nine months later. What was that like, the nine months of waiting for her to come into the church? I podcasted on this a while ago, too, okay. because it was such a great lesson to learn where um, how to put this the right way and still be respectful of my wife. I just needed... Oh, she won't hear us. This is a private chat. That's right. She won't listen anyway. <laughs> she, uh, so the nine months from, from Easter to, I think she converted on December 9th, 2012, um, she, like I said, between Kimberly and Scott Hahn, she had asked me real politely after reading the book too, you know, why don't you try to mirror what they're doing? Let me, let me convert on my own time. And I know you're a big GK Chesterton fan. I can't remember where he says it, but he says that no two people convert at the same, same angle. And whenever I read those words and I saw the success of some saints who like, uh, St. Monica, mother of Augustine. You know, who prayed for people ceaselessly. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't pray for my wife ceaselessly. But uh, I mean, I was thinking about her conversion all the time. And my prayers were silent, you know, and, and my my evangelization to her was silent. It was it was to be respectful, to to not just show that this was an intellectual conversion, but this was a very this was a very, uh, you know, I mean, a very heartfelt conversion. It wasn't just up here. Where they talk about the 24, 24 inches it takes to you from your heart to your brain, mm-hmm. you know, it it did bridge that gap for me. And over the course of that nine months, through me actually living out my faith uh, rather than just talking about it all the time and uh, just letting her ask questions as she needed to, or finding her the people who she needed to get the questions answered. Because sometimes, as one person has told me, spouses tend to be the less least reputable people on the earth which I believe is, is, is very true. There's nobody you want to hear a, a cold, hard fact from other than your, other than a, maybe a stranger or a friend, but never your spouse. <laughs> but uh, over that course, I was just allowed uh, giving her the time and space to uh, discover it on her own. And it was, it's been wonderful because she's been 10 times more supportive and more active in our parish and supportive of everything that I do um, because of that space that I gave her. I can see that, absolutely. Now, uh, regarding, uh, you, you have children, if I recall correctly. I think those yep. are your kids in the Facebook pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those are mine. Yeah, me too. Uh, did you bring, did you have children when you entered the church then? Nope. She was pregnant with our firstborn. And uh, I actually, uh, I didn't shake my fist at him, but I did a mental because he was baptized before I received Holy Communion and Confirmation. So he was Catholic before I was. And I was like, you know, it, it was it was funny to, uh, to, to think on that. But no, we have two. Um, that was Gabriel. And uh, we want to cover the archangels with our kids. So the other is uh, Tristan Raphael. And uh, they're just two wonderful, sweet, charming little boys. One of them's uh, technically, while well, you're still a baby Catholic, one of them's a little older than you. Isn't that fun? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. I, it's funny to me when I meet, because uh, I've only, I've been Catholic now for 11 years, I think. Yeah, 11 years. And I'll beat, you know, like 12-year-old boys or something like that, or tw- you know, 50-year-old girls. And I'm like, they've been Catholic longer than me. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like the uh, it's like the vineyard workers. Um, yes. What is that in? Is it in Luke or I think it's in both Luke and Matthew. I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's like the vineyard workers. People come into the church a little later in their lives, but they get just the same reward. And uh, we can't we can't label we can't label people baby Catholic or a uh, senior Catholic. I don't know, but um, yeah, big big wide variety of Catholics in the church. Yes, amen to that. Here comes everybody, as we like to say, and we mean it. <laughs> that was a good one. Tell us a little bit about, uh, I, I want to try to cover as much as you do online. I don't think if we did three hours, we could, but <laughs> you have a few other, uh, you've written for Catholic Exchange, you run Epic Pew. Is there something I'm leaping out that you also do online? Well, first of all, thank you so much for anything that you've uh, decided to accept um, out of all the garbage I'm sure I've given you for uh, Catholic Exchange. That's a wonderful wonderful website it's probably one of the best reads that i can name that has i don't i've never written i've never read a bad article on there i've never read something that's polemic or uh, or has any tone other than just wonderful and, and well-spirited and christ-like so kudos to you i absolutely Thank love you. exchange um i do seanmcafee.com uh which was where i pretty much got my start um, it, it emanated from a small blogger.com blog that I had, which had like five views a month. And mm-hmm. I always joke around. I'm pretty sure that was like me just refreshing the page to check my edits. <laughs> but I didn't really get my start until I, uh, I started going to Holy Apostles College and Seminary and started meeting some other people online. Very active school, absolutely active and faithful uh, uh, student base. Everybody there is always on a mission, as I say. So I started SeanMcAfee.com, and that was where I was kind of talking about apologetics. And a few of those really hit the map and, and got me, didn't get me any front and center, but, you know, got me uh, got me the notoriety to get noticed. And uh, from there, I just, you know, like I said, I just, I just started wanting to write books. I got these ideas, and uh, they flowed quite well. Um, so SeanMcAfee.com is where it started. And then I started... Uh, I started doing this blog called, uh, it's a, it's a uh, emanation of Holy Apostles College and Seminary. It's called the Dead Philosophers Society. And, uh, it's, it's a, a, a wonderful little apostolate, um, called an auxiliary blog for Holy Apostles College and Seminary. Uh, it's, it's a place where the students can kind of go and, and, uh, talk about what they're learning in class or just write a blog about, something that they, some wonderful homily that they heard a priest say or whatever they want to do. Um, but it's also a place where, you know, students can go and get a little bit of experience getting uh, edited work and getting something published. And, uh, you know, if they want to get into the blogosphere, that's a great entry program for them. So I edited for them for a while until I just got way too busy. And then I started Epic View, which we've already talked about. And mm-hmm. uh, and I got really into book writing after this one was accepted and uh, and then a couple months ago, I started this website, um, just kind of a dream come true as a emanating uh, lay Dominican is ecatechesis.com. I was just totally stoked that the web the web domain was available because it's perfect. So it's an online catechetic site uh, where we teach little micro courses. So these courses will be anywhere from you know four weeks to eight weeks. Uh, we've already run three good courses, and we've had like 500 students already. Um, it's ecatechesis.com. We we do. Uh, I just taught one about filling our father's house. Um, so that was a four-week course that kind of runs through the book, and I inserted oodles and tons of uh, of resources for evangelization. Um, you know, stuff that the church has has published, um, all the way back to. Uh, 
you know, I mean, all the way back before Vatican II to current publications and just resources for people to get into evangelization. That site also uh, it has a, a bioethics course coming up. Uh, Patrick Madrid's doing his uh, apologetics academy. He's going to he's we're developing an online version of that. Um, there's also an ecclesial Latin course that's coming up um, before midsummer, I think. And so I, I just hope that that site has a has a great impact on on Catholics. Just uh, it's we're trying to do free and low cost learning, you know, so you can get the uh, a course developed by somebody who has a doctorate in say uh, you know theology or a master's in bioethics and an established professor within that field and take that course for absolutely free or you know maybe maybe I don't know ten or fifteen bucks for for the eight week session and. Uh, um, so yeah, so that's ecatechesis.com. And after that, you know what, like you said, I do way too much. I'm trying to ease back on the throttle and uh, focus on the things that I've, uh, I've done good at. I've realized, um, uh, that all that, all that, uh, all that cultivation that I've done. Yeah. You become good at a lot of things, but you haven't, I haven't really specialized at one thing and I really want to be, you know, a hundred book Peter Kraft kind of author. So um, backing off the throttle, I'm not going to take on too many new projects. That'll be where it is, other than you know an obscure article maybe for Catholic Exchange or something Excellent. sometime. Um, if you're if you uh, grace me enough, uh, but otherwise, I just want to keep writing books and keep maintaining maintaining those websites. And that is our interview. Uh, all of you at home, you are welcome to check out Sean McAfee at seanmcafee.com. I'll have links in our show notes that you can find on catholicexchange.com as well as his articles and all the other things Sean does. Sean, thank you so much for being with us today. It was great to have you. Thanks, Michael. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you, and God bless you all. God love you.